You know, y'all were talking a minute ago uh, about mission trips. Anybody going to go this summer? Anybody going to Atlanta? Woo! Anybody went to Atlanta? I heard, I heard, a, I heard a Atlanta trip up in here. Yeah, I um, I like mission trips. Mission trips are fun. Uh, I have had some experiences going on mission trips that I, I've never forgotten. Uh, it seems like every time I end up going on a mission trip, and I've been fortunate in my life to go on several in other cities. In fact, I promise you, the, the worst living conditions I ever found myself having to stay in was actually on a mission trip to Atlanta. The floor moved overnight. Like, that jump was super warped. You know, it was like wavy warp. Like I'm talking about like you walk up and down inside the house. Woke up in the morning and the wave had moved. Like, it was bad. It was bad, bad. But anyway, that's what happened. That was, that was, that was Atlanta. I, I've had some experiences on some mission trips that I will never, never forget. I, I will never forget. Uh, one time I got to go on a mission trip to South Africa. And South Africa is beautiful, right? And they asked me pretty early on there if I would if I would preach at one of the, the gatherings that we're having. So this is like an outdoor church, everybody outside, and, and it's time to preach, and we're doing this, and people are just sitting on the ground, right? And I'm I'm fortunate because this particular spot, we didn't need a translator. They just said, speak slow. It's hard for you, boy. Like, <laughs> but I was doing my best, I'm talking slow, and I'm like panning around, you know, talking. Like, mission trips are fun. 
somebody would be driving the front of it and you'd be hanging on to the back. Now, I, know, I don't know if we've ever met, but I ain't, I ain't little <laughs> like, at all. I've always been a big boy, like, like always been a big boy. And, uh, and we get up to this hill, and we're about to go up the, to where the village is, and they're like, uh, this motorbike ain't going to go with both of us on here. Mm-hmm. They're like, you got two options. You, know, you can drive the motorbike or you can walk. And I was like, uh, I'm going to drive this motorbike. Let's see this thing out. And so it was fine going up there. I don't know if you ever done a little motorcycle. Look, I mean, the uphill was fine. It was only a problem. We need to get back down. <laughs> That's fast. <laughs> and, and I almost died about four or five times trying to get down this thing because I was a, I was a big boy, little people in the Philippines. And it was fine. And, and mission trips are fun. And if you go on this summer, you'll have fun. You'll have a story. You'll have a memory that like, like you will be able to tag forever. But When most people think about serving other people, when most people think about making a difference in the world, like I'm gonna go really do something, um, or I'm about to be a part of God's work, that's instantly what you think of, right? You start thinking of, yeah, we gotta, we gotta get on our plane and go somewhere else. We, we gotta get our matching T-shirts. And why they always gotta be fluorescent? I don't know, but they're gonna be bright, and we, we about to go, and we about to go do real work because we're gonna jump on this plane. I got my passport, and away we go somewhere. But if that's our perspective of what it means to make a difference, if that's our perspective of what it means to serve people, if that's our perspective of what it means to actually do God's work wherever God may have us, we have missed it. See, I got convinced of something a long time ago that I hope I hope to convince you of in the next few moments. That you actually don't have to leave your street to change your world. You don't have to. You can, but you ain't got to. And I, for one, am kind of done with the, the, the degrading and the shaming of people who want to roll up their sleeves in their own neighborhood and make a difference right where God grew you up or right where God has you right now. That you don't have to spend $5,000 to go somewhere else to really make a difference. You can actually take that same money and do something in your own neighborhood. You can actually do it right here where you are. Yeah. But we forget that. We forget that. Like, I think, I think people who, who go to church forget that. People who get busy in their lives, they forget that. People who are out there doing great work for God, forget that. And we forget it because something remarkable happens when we do leave. Like, it does. I've been on enough mission trips to where I have seen people change when you take them away from their hometown, right? You get people out of, out of whatever city, whatever town, whatever suburb they live in, and you put them somewhere else, they become I'm talking about I'm talking about people like literally change. I'll see I'll see lazy people, people who I've known for years. They just be lazy. Can't ever get them to do nothing. Like like hey, you help us move this. No man, I'm tired. Lazy people. They can't ever serve. Ain't ever had two drops of sweat. Come on, you put them in another country. You put them on a mission trip, baby. They start serving. Like what happened to you? You're supposed to be lazy. I've seen I've seen stingy. You hungry? I got two lunches, but I ain't giving you one. Like stingy fall. You put them overseas, you put them in a different country, man, they just pass it in. What do you need? You know, like everything. Like, like, like they hold nothing as their own. It's crazy how you take somebody and you put them in another spot and they change. People who complain all the time. I'll tell you about that. They don't change. <laughs> you take them overseas, they still complain. That's just what they do. Because it's why they need to complain. 
I'll tell you why. We forget here. We remember there what we forget here. Tonight, I want to share with you one verse. Just one verse. We're just going to walk through the, the words and the implications of it. It's found in Hebrews chapter 13, verse 16. If you're familiar with the book of Hebrews, it's the last chapter in the book of Hebrews. These are actually, this is one of the final couple of instructions. The writer in Hebrews is just firing his shots here at the end. And he's, he's not really like trying to stuff. He's just telling people stuff. Listen, you need, to, you need to live this way. You need to forgive people. And you need to be generous. And you need to not worry about Timothy. He's coming out of jail. Everything's going to be fine. He's like, like, he's just firing off stuff. And he makes this one statement in verse 16 that I think is so powerful that I want you to internalize over these next few moments. This is what the writer says. And I believe it's God's word for you tonight. He says, do not forget to do good and to share with others. Why? Because with such sacrifices, our God is pleased. Do not forget to do what? Do good and to share with others. Because with sacrifices like that, God is pleased. Can we just walk through this slowly? He says, do not forget. What happens here in our routines is we forget. What happens here when we're caught up with our own priorities? Man, we've already moved our graduation date three times and we're just trying to get some stuff done. What happens here is we forget. He says, do not forget. Now, I, that, that challenges me, and I'll tell you why. I am a very forgetful person. Like, I don't know if you like me, I have a great memory, and I forget stuff all the time. You know what I'm saying? Like, I can remember stupid stuff from way back in the day, things I memorized when I was in high school. Like, what you need? You need the preamble to the Constitution, you need the introduction to the Canterbury Tales, you need Abraham Lincoln's Gettysburg. Like, what you need? I got it in here, but I forgot what I had for breakfast. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, like this Sunday, we get done with services, and uh, my wife has to run my son to um, to a birthday party. And I had uh, to finish up some things. I was talking to some people, doing some stuff. And we had a meeting we had to come back for. So I had to run to our house, change real quick, and I was coming back. And she was dropping him off, running an errand, and coming straight back to the church. And so she called me and said, hey, could you do me a favor? I said, absolutely. I got this. <laughs> she said, oh, would you bring my makeup bag with you to the church? I said, yeah, I love your makeup bag. I got, I, I got it. Monday morning, I was sitting on the edge of our bed. That was Sunday afternoon. Monday morning, I was sitting on the edge of our bed, getting dressed. In fact, I was actually sitting there to put my shoes on. And I look over thinking the shoe was on this side. It's actually on this side. And on this side, I see this flowery bag, a.k.a. my wife's makeup bag, which is the first time since I hung up the phone with her that I had remembered that I was supposed to pick up that makeup bag yesterday and bring it to her. And I get right there. And she was standing in front of the mirror trying to get her. And I said, I'm sorry. She said, for what? I said, I was supposed to bring this to you yesterday. And uh, I, it never crossed my mind. Again, I forget all the time. Like, if I don't write it down, I forgot. Everything I do is in my calendar. My phone be going off all day. All this kind of stuff. Sometimes people like, like you're a terrible parent because my, my 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 calendar will tell me like like take your son to school, you know, and, and like like hang out with him, like, like like reminds me of these things because I'll forget. I do. So I write it all down. It's all 
forget. Whatever it is, you don't set out and say, I will remember this. This matters. This priority is significant. And the writer in Hebrews says, do not forget. He said, I'm going to tell you some stuff, and you need to get this on your calendar. I will tell you some things, and you need to pin these things down. Now, I'm a big believer in the reminder, not just because I'm forgetful, but also because I'm forgetful. I'm a big believer in the power of a reminder because sometimes we need to be reminded of things that are significant, things that have significance to us, for us, and in our lives. I have for years tied things around my wrist, like as reminders to me. And sometimes they're reminders of things that God has challenged me to do. Sometimes they're reminders of mistakes I've made that I don't want to make that same mistake again. Some of the, some of the people will be asking, hey, where did you get that? It's like, I don't know, but I can tell you what it means. Some, some of them are reminders for like purpose and calling and way I live my life. And it's like, don't forget this. The writer in Hebrews starts and he says, I need to get this across to you. I need to make sure you remember this. Do not forget. Because I know what happens when you get to this point in the semester, right? You busy. There ain't a person in here who ain't busy, right? You got exams, you got classes, you got you got midterms, you already had your midterms, and the pressure is mounting, and you got a graduation date, and you're thinking about a different major, and you got all this, and there's this girl, and there's this dude, and this is whatever going on, and I'm trying to be involved, and I, I got a lot going on. That's who the writer in Hebrews says, dude, not forget, in all your busyness, in everything you got going on in your life, in everything that knocks and clamors for attention, do not forget. See, God knew our lives would get filled with stuff. So in all the stuff you fill your life with, he gives us this reminder. Do not forget. To do what? To do good and share with others. That's the reminder, right? Do not forget, Hebrews 13, 16, to do good and share with others. Now, we have sort of culturally this yearly reminder that pops up to us to do that very thing, right? It happens at Thanksgiving and it runs till Christmas. Have you ever noticed how generous people get in that time? People that never care about nobody for no reason, all of a sudden you get to the holidays, as we call it, and they're trying to find some place to serve. They're trying to find somebody they can help. They're trying to be a blessing. They're trying to ring a bell. They, they just want to help. Why? I think in some ways because we get reminded. It's all of a sudden people start helping one another. People start caring for one another. But then all of a sudden it turns off right at Christmas. Nobody talks about it no more. Nobody talks about it. It's like, it's like all the needs got met. All the problems got solved in that 28 days of caring. No, they didn't. But what happens is we get to January and we got our resolutions and we forget. We move on to February and we got other priorities and other situations that seem like it and we forget. We get, we get caught up, we get ahead, the spring break, the summer break, what are we going to do? And what happens is, is we forget. See, people get reminded and they start feeding hungry people. But then they forget that. You know what I've learned? People are hungry year-round. People ain't just hungry at Christmas. They're hungry in bed. They're hungry. They're hungry in August. They're hungry in October. I mean, that's why, like, even like hearing about, like, I didn't even know they had this on-campus resource. But like, 
See, that's a lot of the work that we get involved in just in our church, trying to meet practical needs for people right in front of us. And it's like, that's the stuff that breaks my heart. But I also know it's the stuff that's easy to overlook. Because if you ain't ever tried to figure out what you're going to eat that night, you don't know what it's like to be somebody that has to knock on the door at that resource office and say, y'all got anything I can eat? Because I ain't got no money, I ain't got no food, I ain't got no nothing. It's easy to like walk by those people in class because they look just like you. They will say, man, I'm hungry. Or say, man, I don't, I don't know. I mean, I know he said we got to turn this in on paper, but I ain't got no paper. And I ain't got no money to go to the store and buy paper, whatever paper color. Like, like I am habits. Do not forget to do good and to share with others. I love the way the message translation of the scripture puts this. It's a version written by a pastor by the name of Eugene Peterson. And on this particular line, this is the way he articulates it. He says that this is worship. Do not forget to do good and share with others. This is worship that takes place in kitchens, workplaces, and on the street. I love that. Because some of us hear the word worship and we think that's only what happens up here. This, is, this can be worship. You singing, you playing, that can be worship. You singing your song, sitting in your seat, lifting your hands, that's an aspect of worship. But he says this is worship that takes place on the street. This is worship that takes place in a kitchen. This is worship that takes place at the place that you work. This is worship too. You know, you can worship God picking up trash. Beautifying your city. You can worship God making a meal for somebody who's hungry. That can be worship. It can be you worshiping in the kitchen. You can, you can worship God helping a kid who can't read, read. Like, like sitting in front of them, working with sight words with a third grader or a fourth grader. And when you realize that there are words that, that, that like you knew when you was about three or four, and here they are, eight, nine, ten years old, and they're looking at lead and lead, read and read, and they can't process it. That's worship when you invest the time and the energy to help them be able to get something that will change the rest of their life. That is worship. You worship God when you work well at your work. Like if you got a job, part-time, full-time, sort of time, whatever I feel like it, when you work well there, you're worshiping God. The Bible says in Colossians 3 that whatever you do, you do it as unto the Lord. So that means if I'm like working at the car wash or I'm making, making food over here, I'm working as a worship too. When you serve the need that you see right in front of you, that's you remembering. Do not forget to do good and to share with others. See, the problem that we have sometimes as people of faith is we have the best intention. I believe that. I've been a part of the church in the church for a long time. A lot of people they have the best intention. But our follow-through sucks. Mm-hmm. Like for real. Mm-hmm. Like it's like, oh I love them, man. Did you see that thing? Oh man, my heart breaks for them. But then I could sing your love. We distracted. They still hungry. We get distracted. They still ain't got no place to stay. We get distracted. They still literally feel like they don't have a friend in the world. We get distracted. Yeah. And I'm convinced that the greatest 
witness we have, the greatest apologetic in this moment, is not something I can convince you of with some arguments. It's the fact that I showed you what my faith is all about. I'll just tell you, this talk is key. I'll just tell you that God loves you. I meet you at the point of your ruling. See, I've got a, I got a, a unique life that I live because of where I live. Like, I live in a city. I don't know if you grew up here in a city, but I live in a city city. And uh, I live in a unique part of our city and, and serve in a unique part of our city. Matt mentioned our church is on Summer Avenue. And I don't know how familiar you are with, like, the neighborhood around there, but we're kind of in between Perkins and Mendenhall, just, like, right up the street from here. But it is a very um, diverse part of our city. Now, I don't live here. When we say diverse, we mean black and white. That's not what I mean. I mean, like, we have a very large contingent of Latino people that only speak Spanish in our neighborhood. It is not uncommon for me. I mean, literally, if you were to pull up my iPhone, like on the on the home, like the first home page, like you will see translation apps that I use every day of my life, every day, because I speak Spanish enough to order well, but not confident enough to be like trying to help somebody's need well. So I'm like, let's go to the app. We are located right in front of what is sort of the center of the Middle Eastern community. There's a very large Middle Eastern population in our city. In fact, the largest, as far as attendance goes, mosque in the city is right up the street from where our church is. In Jerusalem Market, where everybody goes to shop, it's a part of that community. People that are from Iran and Iraq and Sudan, and like, like that have this, this, this faith or this practice that they are trying to follow up. They, they interact there all the time. I have many, many friends who Islam is their religion. You can't find them on Friday at 1 o'clock because they are praying. And I built up a relationship with a guy who, um, he comes by our church. And his name is uh, his name is Muhammad, and Muhammad is sort of like iffy on his practice of Islam. Like he, he's not the most devout, uh, which is very rare. Typically, when it comes to Islam, you're like in or out. But he's sort of like, eh, I do it when it feels right. But he is someone who, over the last probably year and a half, two years, like I've built this relationship with. Um, just from serving. One of the things we do in our church is we serve meals to kids every afternoon um, for a couple hours, like hundreds of meals every day. And where he lives and his family have been resourced by that. And so he will come in and get meals for his kids and take them most of the time, get meals for people that live in the townhomes around him. And we just talked over the years. This last Christmas, he uh, he heard about something we were doing. We were serving toys to kids. We served about 2,000 kids toys for free. And he wanted to get his kids signed up. And he got his kids signed up. And he realized, like, there were no strings attached to this. I wasn't like, like, just come and get toys for your kids. We want to be a blessing. And he asked if he could meet with me. And I was like, all right. What's going on, Mom? Let's sit down. And so we set up a meeting. He comes to my office. And he sits down. And uh, he says... I don't understand you. Now, most of our conversations have been real, like, pleasant. Ah, how's it going? What's the weather? You know, what's the Christmas? What's the weather? You know, like, very. He's like, I don't understand you. He said, this is what I don't understand. He said, my people, we would do what you are doing for us, for our own kind. So, like, people that believed like he believed. People that were from where he was from. 
We would feed if they were hungry. We would help if they were. But he said, you guys serve us, and we don't believe like you. And we're not from where you're from. And we don't see the world the way you see the world. Why do you do it? And that's when I get the opportunity to tell them why. Because we don't feed people because we ain't got nothing better to do. <laughs> we don't feed people who just have this, this storehouse of life or we got extra money for them. No, no, no. We feed people to have doors open like that because I read somewhere that when you've done it to the least of these, my brothers and sisters, you've done it to me. I, I read somewhere, do not forget to do good and share with others. And that others doesn't just, uh, just limit to people who believe like me, pray like me, worship like me. It doesn't limit me to that. Jesus didn't, didn't do a roll call when he was feeding the 5,000. All right, if you believe in me, I'm going to feed you. But if you don't believe in me, then I'm going to need you to go over here because I'm about to do something and this ain't for you. He didn't do that. Do not forget. Because you have no idea whose life you're impacting by not forgetting. You have no idea who may be beginning to see God because you, rather than pass them by, saw them. Because you, rather than just be on with your busyness and be on with your day and be on with your degree and be on with your masters and be on with your career and be on with your advancement, you didn't forget to do good. Share with others. Because they may not understand your God. But they cannot deny your generosity. And that's what happens in people. When they see you be generous with your time, ain't nobody stopped to talk to them. But you notice in their eyes something was wrong. They say, you say, what's going on? I'm here. I got a minute. I, I, I tried to do my best. People, people always ask me this question to be like, uh, are you busy? Do you have a moment to talk? And I used to like to flex with the fullness of my schedule and be like, would you like to see all that? But I don't. I say, talk to me. What's going on? And it's amazing how being available to people when they're hurting, do not forget, is an extension of generosity. We hear generosity, we think money, and I can't be generous with it. No. With your time, with your attention, with the resource you have, with the friendship you have, with the connection that you have, with that moment that you have, do not forget to do good and to share with others. Why? Well, the writer says something that we don't like. He tells us that this, um, when we don't forget to do good and share with others, that it will be a sacrifice. It will be a sacrifice. It's not easy, but it's worth it. You know, I found that many people are willing to share as long as they don't have to sacrifice. Like, I'm willing to help out. I'll do the thing because I got extra. What, what about when it's not... You're extra. What about when the doing good or sharing with others isn't about, I got something left over, let me hook you up. But it's like, this is all I have. But there's something in me that says, I'm not supposed to forget your need. Yeah. It's like, this is all the time I have, but I'm going to give it to you. This is, this, is, this, is all, this is all the energy. This is all the connection. This is all the attention I can give. This is, this is, this is all I got. But I give it instead. See, if it isn't sacrificial, it's never significant. And people can tell. People can tell when you're giving from your excess or when you literally are giving. Like there was one woman who gave all she had to live on. 
It hits different. But it makes an impact in people that um, marks them significantly. See, if I give you what costs me nothing, I say something without speaking. But if I give you what I have, even though it may be all I have, it hits you differently. See, our church made a decision before we ever were a church. We said we're going to run towards problems rather than run from them. Is anybody from Memphis? If you like from Memphis, let me see your hand. Yeah, you're from here. Okay, you bet. Like, y'all know there's conversation about our city, and it's always been, okay? I'm, I'm a little older than you. They've been talking, they've had the same conversation since back when. Like, 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 it's been the same conversation. There's this problem. The schools I went to, they say you weren't supposed to go to them school. Like, nothing good can come from that neighborhood. I lived in those neighborhoods, so I'm not good. Like, I get it. And so we decided when we started our church that rather than run from the problems, whatever they were, we were going to run towards them. And so one of the problems we found was, like I mentioned, that there were hungry people. And so one of the things that we do as a church is we serve groceries to people every single month. We serve about 10 to 15,000 pounds of food for free to like 300 to 330 families ends up being like 12 to 1400 people eat every month because they drive through our parking lot and we feed them loads of groceries now what's funny is people think we get those groceries for free we don't we have a line item in our budget that's for about a thousand dollars a month which maybe sounds like nothing or sounds like a lot i'll tell you for us as a church that's a significant amount of money like, that's not just like, like, I know there are some churches that would be like ashtray money. And yes, they have ashtrays in their church. Like, it's ashtray money. Like, for us, it's a lot of money. You know what I'm saying? And yet, we're like more than three years into offering this every single month. Because in our community, we got great food. Man, we got such good food. But it makes no sense that there are hungry people. There are people who do not know how their pantry is going to get full. Do not know how they're going to feed their kids. Do not know what they're going to do in the summer. Because some of y'all realize, some of you grew up in environments. Some of you, that was your home. It was fine during the school year, but then June, July, oh man, it was slim pickings because I didn't get to eat at the school. And so now, but I get it. And so we said, look, it doesn't matter whether it's popular. It doesn't matter whether it's in season or not. We're going to serve in this way. Even though it costs us, we're going to do this. Because um, we're okay with the sacrifice. You see, that's not pleasant to a lot of people. A lot of people are real cool with making a difference as long as making a difference doesn't really affect my wallet, as long as it doesn't affect my free time, as long as it doesn't affect what I really want to do with my life. What if what God asks of you actually costs you something and it hurts? Are you willing to give that to him through someone else? Or only if you get pictures in another country with it. See, I ain't never been on a mission trip that was free. But it's amazing how I've seen grown folk take off work for two, three weeks, spend three, four, five, six thousand dollars to go to another country to serve. But they forget here. Why? Because I'll make the sacrifice if it's celebrated. 
Will you make a sacrifice if it's not celebrated in this time? See, because that's the hook that the writer in Hebrews sums this whole thing up. He says, do not forget to do good and share with others. Because with such sacrifices, it will be a sacrifice. It says, God is pleased. You got to trust and believe that. That when you choose not to forget the person that it's easy to forget. When you choose not to forget the need, it's easy to forget. It's easy to ignore some need. People will celebrate with you. People will say, you did the smart thing. See, I've gotten to the point where I don't even, I don't even talk to some people no more. You know why? Because they don't understand me. And they don't understand what God has called us to do. They're looking for an easy life. They're looking for their best life. What about the life God called you to? Because if you don't forget it, and you do good and share with others, even though it's a sacrifice, there's a promise there that the two words that matter most you'll hear. Well done. And then what you want to hear in the end? Can I tell you, that's all that matters in this life. Is getting to the other side. And the one that we sing for, the one that we pray to, the one that has changed our lives, looks you or me or any of us in the eye. Says, well done. You didn't forget to do good and share with them. You didn't have much to give, but you were willing to give what you had. You, you didn't have much to share, but you shared all Well done, my good and faithful servant. It's going to be worth it. People may not understand it right now. And I only tell you that as somebody who uh, has been walking this line for many years now. People don't understand why we say it. In fact, most of the time when people I haven't seen in a while, they, 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 they hear that we're doing something, they're like, y'all still doing that? Like, like the pandemic's over, y'all still feeding people? Woo! People still hungry. <laughs> y'all still taking care of the kids? Yeah, yeah, we still taking care of the kids. Yeah, y'all still doing Christmas toys? Yeah, 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 because there are thousands of families in our city that wouldn't have Christmas if we didn't step in and do something crazy. And so we step in and do something crazy. Y'all still doing that? And they'll say the same thing to you. You still volunteering at that school? Yeah. These are kids that need me. You, 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 you still, you still befriending her? She hadn't changed one bit. Yeah, I'm still befriending her. I'm still giving her time. I'm still listening to her. She, she angry, I know, but I'm giving her time. Do not forget to do good and share with others. Because with sacrifices like this, God is pleased. And so my reminder to you is this. Don't forget that when you remember your street, you change your world. It's not just over there that needs to be recognized and remembered. It's your street. It's your floor. It's your apartment building. It's, 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 it's the block that you grew up on. It's the neighborhood that for whatever reason, like you've always, it's always just been in your heart. Like, like this, could, this could change. This needs somebody to advocate for it. Do not forget to do good, to share with others. Because with such sacrifices, God is pleased. 
So tonight I want to do something a little different. B, would you mind coming and playing just for a second? Because um, I had a moment that this all flipped in me. See, I went to seminary to um, become a pastor. And that's what I did. I served in a, in a, in a very large, very fast-growing church. I got a lot of opportunities that people would call success. And um, when I felt God tell us to leave there, he called us to be in the vicinity of Memphis, but not in Memphis. And in that process, the Spirit of God said, I need you to stop worrying about everybody else's stuff and focus on where I've placed you. Because what I would do is I would run around all over the country telling people how to, how to grow a big student ministry. And um, I was always telling somebody else something about the church. And God was like, no, 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 be done with that. I want you to focus on the place I've planted you. And I didn't know why, because I didn't like the place I was in. I was in Mississippi, y'all. I didn't like the place I was in. And uh, you say, that sounds mean to Mississippi. It is. Uh, um, but, um, Proximity to this city that God broke my heart from my hometown, from Memphis. And I remember several like times of like just talking with God and trying to figure out like God, what are you calling me to do? And there was this like breaking moment I had when I realized God wasn't calling me to be a pastor. He's calling me to be a missionary, which looks different. Looks different. And yes, some people may call me pastor, and that may be my role or my title in the church, but, but like my life is going to look a lot more like a missionary who was sent out and forgotten about, but doing the work where they were called to.
it's always about the next spiritual thing. And you forget the people in your class who need God. It's always about the, the next thing where somebody's going to celebrate you. And you forget the people in your world who need God, who need you not to forget them. And I really just sense in my heart that there's some of you that like, tonight is your wake up call. Where it's like, all right, it's time for me to start moving different. Like, and I'm a missionary on this campus. 